0: Words in my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Glad you're here. You know you're you're never too old to do new things. Shirley is eighty nine years old, and this is the first time in twenty years she's been late. Well, she just told me that, so I thought I'd share. There you go. <laughs> it's, are, you, are you moving this week? Thursday. All right. Well, yeah, we'll pray for you to stay out of the hospital, and then we'll have you pray for a little travel mercies down there. All right. Um, big idea today, as a child of God, as a person of faith, who has faith in Christ, is obedient to God's word and is an overcomer of the world. Faith in Christ, obedient to God's word, and an overcomer of the world. Normally, this would be Doubting Thomas Day. That's a wonderful gospel. Uh, lots there to learn from. But I was drawn to this reading, I think, kind of given the times that we're living in that seem to be speaking to me today. Um just uh, Scripture is clear. We're not all children of God. We're all made in the image of God, but we're not all children of God. John puts it this way. <clears throat> but to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. Those who believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior are his children. Everybody's made in the image of God. Not everyone is a child of God. And John is kind of addressing today children of God. Remember, a child of God is a person who has faith in Jesus Christ, obeys God's word, and is an overcomer of the world. And John says that a child of God is marked by love and a cheerful obedience, cheerful obedience, not burdensome, not weighed down. Um, we serve each other with a sacrificial heart. We go out of our way for one another because this is what God has called us to do. Love. A woman visited a newspaper editor's office hoping to sell him some poems she had written. What are your poems about, the editor asked. Well, they're about love, gushed the poetess. The editor settled back in his chair and said, well, read me a poem. The world could certainly use a lot more love. The poem she read was filled with moons and junes and other sticky sentiments, and it was more than the editor could take. I'm sorry, he said, but you just don't know what love is all about. It's not moonlight and roses. It's sitting up all night at a sick bed or working extra hours so the kids can have new shoes. The world doesn't need your brand of poetical love. It needs some good old-fashioned practical. Now, there is a a time for moons in Junes and things like that, but I think what John is talking about is giving of ourselves. D.L. Moody said, every Bible should be bound in shoe leather. Kind of walking out your faith was the idea behind that. Um, I think of people in our congregation. um, I'll I'll name a couple, but I I think of uh, Jay Carmichael. Jay uh, passed away last Sunday. He always sat right here. I would walk in, and I'd shake his hand, you know. Um, But over at Living Waters, when his wife, Jean, was still with us, and she couldn't really see very well, he would guide her up to communion. And I've never forgotten that. My mother, Jean, um, would take such good care of my dad and his failing his later years when he had Parkinson's and macular degeneration this congregation is filled with people who give of themselves for the benefit of other people. And they just do it with a glad, warm, open heart. They don't expect anything in return. They're not doing it to get something out of it. But it's because of who you are. And I could start to name names, but then I'd forget somebody and I I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. A lot of this I'm going to tell you, I don't know how many of you are going to come to Jay's funeral, so I'm just going to tell you this quick story. Uh, mm. It was Easter. Kathy and I had been to see him the Thursday before. He was in his hospital bed in the living room, and he he was himself, you know. Had a good visit, and then I was asked to come over on Easter because things weren't going well. And we did the Easter services, and, and then we had dinner at home. And, and normally I would wait until everybody left before I would go. And, and I looked up to Kath, and I said, i got to go now. And she said, go, rather than, no, you don't. <laughs> you just wait. So I left, and I went, and, and Rory was there, the son, and, and Julie, his daughter. And Jay was in, in this hospital bed, and he was all kind of slumped over to the side with his eyes closed. And I went around and gave him last rites, and then Rory is on one side of me and Julie's on the other side of me, and he opens his eyes, and they said, oh, he hasn't had his eyes open since Friday. And then he looked at Rory, and he looked at Julie, and he said, bye. About two minutes later, he was gone. He said goodbye. And it was just a wonderful, peaceful moment. And you could just feel God's presence in the room, you know. Just it felt like the angels had come to escort him into the kingdom. It was a wonderful, wonderful moment. It really was. God bless him. 97 years old. Um, I, I think a lot of it, <laughs> well, I, I think of um, not giving up on people, the circle. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we have the circle over here. Right, and these are special needs adult women. And uh, Jen, Jen, where's Jen? Step is one of the people that gives of herself and her time to help do that. And Matthew's little sisters in that group, and they come over here on Wednesday noon for the healing service, and they are a hoot. They, I'll be talking, and they interrupt me with questions and all kinds. It's it's unlike anything you've ever seen. And every Friday morning. Father Tom goes over there and does a Bible study with them, you know. So and and I, I I just I want to put a shout out to the parents who didn't give up on these kids, because it's so easy to say, forget that. There's a, we got a place for you, but that's not what they do. So that's love. I think um, a lot of it has to do with my attitude toward God's Word. An unsaved person, an unbelieving person, looks at the Bible and says it doesn't make any sense. It, really, it just doesn't. It just, it's dopey, and it was written by people 2,000, thousands of years ago, and what do they know about the culture? You know, that kind of thing. You just dismiss it. An immature Christian will look at it as a burden, all right? Maybe they believe it's God's word, but really? I've got to love him? I've got to forgive her? What? How many times? What are you talking about? You saw what she did to me? Get that. And then there's the mature Christian who sees this for what it is. Scripture really isn't so much a text as it is a love letter, a love letter written by God to his people, you know. Um, I always say if you want a definition of the Bible in four words, love God, love others. That's pretty much, un- everything else unpacks that, those four words. I look at this and I see love. Jesus on the cross for me. It becomes a burden when we try to please God in our, in our own strength or think that we're, we're doing things that are, you know, making God happy and all that ourselves. Jesus said this to the Pharisees, And then Jesus said to the crowd and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, so practice and observe whatever they tell you, but not what they do, for they preach, but they do not practice. They bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with their finger. People never knew where they stood with God. Religion to them, faith to them was a burden. Am I in the right place? Am I doing the right thing? Am I wearing the right clothes? Am I saying the right words? It was never refreshing. It was never relational. It was always legal and a burden. Jesus didn't want it to be like that. Come to me, all you who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest. For your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God does not want us as his people to be burdened down with his word. Obedience comes from a loving heart. I love this one from uh, Genesis. Jacob had labored seven years for his wife, Rachel. And it says, Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days because of the love he had for her. 7 years seemed like a few days because of how much he loved her. And then John talks about being overcomers. He loves this word overcomers and he talks about victory that overcomes the world. The word victory in Greek is Nike. It was Nike was the goddess of victory. Can you think of a word that sounds like Nike? Nike. That's where Nike tennis shoes come from. The word Greek word for victory. I would say it's true that we live in an increasingly godless world. It's not easy to obey God in our old nature. But the world appeals to our old nature. John writes this. He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father but of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Remember the word world. Whenever John uses the word world, it's cosmos. This is, this is the, the word that means those who do not know, love, or care about God. For God so loved the world. For God so loved those who did not know him, love him, or care about him, that he sent his only begotten son to the end, that all that would finally believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That is the love of the Father for an uncaring, unloving world. And that's what John is talking about here. If our new nature is in control, we obey God. Remember, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ and our spirit filled, we trade in our sinful nature for that new godly nature. And it's not a special class of Christians. It's who we are. When John uses that word overcomer, he loves that word overcomer. That's what he means when he says Christian. There's a story of Alexander the Great. There was a battle and he noticed there was a soldier that was kind of laying back and not really involved in the fight. And he went, up, he went up to him, and he asked some questions, and he got some kind of lame answer, and he asked him, what is your name? And the soldier said, Alexander. And Alexander the Great said, change your name. Alexander doesn't do what you're doing. Get in the fight. Christians do not allow themselves to be overcome by and ruled by the world. They don't. God in us is more powerful than anything the world can bring against us. God in us is, can overcome any temptation that we might face if we call upon his name. Our old life is buried, and we have risen to a new life in Christ. But sometimes we don't realize what we have. A Civil War veteran used to wander from place to place, begging a bed and a bite to eat, and always talking about his friend, Mr. Lincoln. Because of his injuries, he was unable to hold a steady job. But as long as he could keep going, he would chat about his beloved president. You say you know Mr. Lincoln, a skeptical bystander retorted one day. I'm not so sure you did. Prove it. The old man replied, Why, sure, I can prove it. In fact, I have a piece of paper here that Mr. Lincoln himself signed and gave to me. From his old wallet, the old man took a, out a much-folded piece of paper and showed it to the man. I'm not, I'm not much for reading, he apologized, but I know that's Mr. Lincoln's signature. Man, do you know what you have here? One of the spectators asked. You have a generous federal pension authorized by President Lincoln. You don't have to walk around like a poor beggar. Mr. Lincoln has made you rich. But he never knew it. He had it, but he didn't understand it. He never put it to use. To paraphrase John here, it might sound like this. You Christians do not have to walk around defeated because Christ has made you victors. He has defeated every enemy, and you share his victory. Now, by faith, claim the victory. Think about this. Faith is not so much believing in spite of evidence, but obeying in spite of consequence. Faith is not so much believing in spite of evidence, but obeying in spite of consequence. Being obedient to God, without counting the cost. That sign up over the door. Stand up for what's right, even if you are the only one standing. This may become true sooner than you think in our day and age. Obeying in spite of consequence. This is not a utilitarian faith. We don't measure the cost. We just do the right thing. And there'll be a cost. We'll see what it is and go from there. Life in our day is challenging, but so it was as well in John's day. The church in his day was in its infancy. False teachers were everywhere. And many of the Jews maintained loyalty to the Old Testament teachings and refused to embrace Christ as the Messiah. The church faced many obstacles and daily struggles. Many were likely to be tempted to abandon their faith. John encouraged them with the great strength and help they had in the Lord, just as he does us today. You can agree that we we too face many struggles and obstacles today. The faces and philosophies may have changed, but the battle remains largely the same. And I would say these are the most difficult times the American church has faced since the Revolution. Things are different these days for us. And it's only going to get worse from here. Society as a whole no longer embraces our faith. The number of people identifying as Christian is steadily going down. The number of people identifying as um, evangelical Christians is going down. And the number of people who identify as an evangelical Christian with a valid, genuine work. Biblical worldview is going even further down. By the way, I don't know if you know this or not, but if you really subscribe to a biblical worldview, you are now officially a rebel. A rebel. You are part of the resistance in many ways. There's a push to silence our voice and force us to abandon biblical conviction in the name of political correctness or wokeness. That's the new term. Are we woke? Somebody says no. The fundamentals of our faith are being challenged daily, especially a Christian worldview being silenced. Kathy and I like to watch this thing called Flashpoint. It's on the Victory Channel. You can get it. Used to be able to get it on YouTube, but it's on Direct TV and there's a website. And on Tuesday and Thursday night, they have an interview show for an hour. It's called Flashpoint. And we were watching it the other night, and he said, "Oh, by the way, YouTube has canceled us on YouTube." You can no longer see Flashpoint on YouTube because they didn't like what we said about something or other. I don't really have all the details he said, but we're no longer on YouTube. So that's a kind of thing, making, making a biblical belief less accessible to the, to the people at large is part of the program. As difficult as this day is, we can overcome in Christ because he's not surprised by what we face. He remains seated at the right hand of God. He is still sovereign and in charge of this world. We will face opposition and adversity, but we're not defeated. Romans 8, 35 to 37 says this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. No." In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us, and that's true. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. By the way, that's a very common reading at funerals for us in our church. Truth has not changed. It never will. We're going to face difficulties, and it seems at times if we may lose our religious freedoms. Many worry about being arrested or sued for their faith. I can't tell you that these things won't happen. In fact, it's likely they will. And in fact, they are happening in various parts of the world, up in California, some places in New York, in Canada, Britain. I mean, free places. This is not like, you know, China. You expect it in China, North Korea, and Cuba. You, You don't expect it here, but it's happening. We must persevere by faith. I would say also keep your eyes on the Equality Act that's been passed in the House and it's now up in the Senate. Um, There is no provision in there for religious freedom. It's an attack on religious freedom in many ways. So we'll see what happens with that. But I can tell you, whatever we face is no match for the power of our Lord. We may be persecuted for our faith, but faith will allow us to rise above in victory. Society may abuse us or even take our lives, but they cannot destroy our faith and our security in Christ. I also believe there's a coming revival. There's a coming revival in our land, starting out on the west coast of all places, but then the Azusa started back there about 1903 or 1904, Azusa Street, a great Pentecostal revival. And I've talked to you before about Mario Murillo, and he's got these tents out there, and he's got gang members and all these kinds of people you'd never expect to see come into faith maybe, but they're responding to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it's growing and it's growing and it's growing and it's growing. He's got an army of 500 people moving through these neighborhoods to bring people. Not too long ago, he had a meeting, a conference of 900 pastors to get them ready for this big thing that's happening at the end of April. And from there, it's going to spread, and I'm excited about that because it's the real thing. It's the real deal. So these are scary times, there's a great deal of uncertainty in the air. What will happen? We don't know. Remember, all anxiety is a result of uncertainty. You may have heard me say that 18,000 times. All anxiety is a result of uncertainty. Every time you feel anxious or fearful or fidgety, it's because you don't know what's going to happen. What are the test results going to be? Will she say yes? Oh, my gosh, what's going to happen to the stock market? Can I buy that? Whatever. We're anxious because we don't know what's going to happen. But Jesus, God, is always in the future. He already knows what's happening. Jesus knows the future. He's there. He wants us to be his children as we make our way through these challenging times. And he wants us to be people who have faith in him, are obedient to his commandments, and know that we have overcome the world. I choose to live by faith and not by fear. Because I am a child of God. Those signs that you see, faith over fear, doesn't mean faith over recklessness. It means faith in God over the circumstances of life because God is more powerful than any circumstance we will face. Now, I I had thought I would play a video, which is Vitalis' favorite. Vitalis, I know you're watching, and I was going to play No Longer a Slave to Fear, if I've ever in the car with Vitalis riding around in Ocala or any place else, he's got this song playing almost constantly. It's a wonderful song. But then as I was here, as we were getting ready for the service, I heard the song, Oh, No, You Never Let Go. And I thought, that's the one we have to hear. Okay? Oh, no, you never let go. You never let go of me. Amen.
1: of death your perfect love is casting out fear and even when i'm caught in the middle of the storms of this life we live to know you here on the earth and i will Light that is coming for the heart that holds on, a glorious light beyond all compare, and there will be an end to these troubles, but until that day comes.
0: Oh, oh, (laughs) you may wonder what we're doing up here. (coughs) That's a song that the kids at grade school sing. And when they sing it, a bunch of kids will get up and start, oh, no, you never let go. And one of the eighth grade classes when they graduated, the whole class got up and was doing that. So I just wanted to have Ron have a little fun with me, you know, because I know how I know how you're always trying to promote yourself in front of everybody. And then Miss Shy is a mouse over here. One of the and then we get the family involved. So anyway. God bless you, children of God. Amen. Amen.